Today we head back to the trailer park as a bunch of trailers have dropped this week. And Thanos. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he iconic? Find out today on Pop Culture Over Pizza. Internet and welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Over Pizza with the Krizoom. Uh, but I am, as usual, joined today by my normal cohort of co-hosts. Again, you know me as Jose, and I am here with my buddies. Metatron, greetings. And this is Walt. May the force be with you on Latin night. Elias, what's Gucci, fam? What's Gucci, y'all? And we're here with another... Deep Dish, another long episode for you guys to, to dig into some of the stuff that's going on in pop culture this week. So, as usual, let's get right into it. First off, while we're getting right into it, I just want to make a quick mention for those of you that are listening right now. You can follow us in many, many wonderful places. First of all, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, PCOP Podcast. Check us out over there. Drop us a like, drop us a subscription, drop us some feedback. You can also follow us, or I should say search for us on Apple Podcasts and various streaming services. You can find us in a lot of different places. Search us out, check us out, like us, subscribe to us, feedback, whatever it is you guys want to do. Just engage with the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Getting right into it this week. What we've been geeking out uh, over on the, in the last week is, for me personally, uh, I've been geeking out, obviously, over... Dragon Ball Super, yes. um, Dragon Ball Super Broly, which I have seen. I dropped a quick slice on that for those of you that are interested in a spoiler review. Spoiler free review, please check it out. But I'm not going to get too much into that. We might put a little mention of it later and some of the future of the franchise and some of the great box, box office success it's had this week. Um, but that's one of the things that I've been geeking about as a Dragon Ball fan. Obviously, uh, in the anime world, uh, I've been going. A little bit back, again, late to the party, you could say, but there's a new show on Netflix, actually, that I'm watching the prequel for. Uh, some of you might be familiar with Baki on Netflix, the third season. That's actually the third season, by the way, for those of you that don't know. Yeah, so there first are, episode. Right. It's pretty good, like the, the show Baki, uh, Baki the Grappler, I should say, which is what I'm closing up right now. I'm on season two. I'm about halfway through season two. Um, if you guys like anime, if you guys like sick fighting action, if you like MMA, uh, if you like wrestling, like it's, it's an awesome anime. Like a friend of mine puts it best. You will cry man tears watching this show because every fighter has a cool backstory. Every, like a lot of fighters have, have all this honor and they respect each other. And, and there's, there's just a lot of really awesome emotional moments on this show. It's, it's really good. If you haven't seen Baki the Grappler, which is what I'm geeking out on now, check it out. If you want to skip ahead, go ahead. Watch Baki on Netflix. I'm not going to stop you. But check out Baki the Grappler first. You will be pleasantly surprised. That's Baki in his youth when he was a kid kicking butt. So that's going to be even more interesting when you see a 13-year-old kid and then a slightly older teenager kicking the crap out of all these huge, powerful martial artists. Great show. Check it out. The other one that I've been geeking out on real quick, as I mentioned, is Jack Ryan. Uh... Late to the party. Um, that one just came out not too long ago, though, but I've been watching the first season. I'm about on episode four, and I'm really, really enjoying the show so far. Um, 
it's a little bit unexpected because you have Jack Ryan and other media as kind of like this badass character that's just beating everybody up or kicking them off the plane. Um, in this one, it starts off more in his career as an analyst. Yeah, it's more um, of an story. So, yeah, it's kind of the evolution of the character. There's great acting. Um, there's good characters on both sides of the conflict. The protagonist and the antagonist have great backstories and compelling characters. John Krasinski does a great job as the central character, Jack Ryan. Uh, with a special mention for HBO fans of shows like The Wire, uh, Wendell Pierce is in this. Wendell Pierce is awesome in everything. He plays Jack Ryan's boss, or uh, basically one of his bosses in the show. He's awesome. The show is awesome. I love it. Check it out. What else have we been geeking out over this week, you guys? Meta, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so you know how you said you were late to the party? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I've been doing a, a little game marathon myself. Mm-hmm. And let, cop this this breakdown. Mm-hmm. I've been doing Dead Space 2. That's a good And Dragon Age Origins. Those are like at least five years old, both of them, right? Actually, yeah. four. No, like, four. Like eight or ten years. So, so Dead Space was like PlayStation either 2 or 3. Oh, okay. Something like that. So, yeah. So I'm 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 doing a few things there now that I have some time, and of course, doing the occasional writing that I say I do. Mm-hmm. What I've also this is obviously this is always going to be on my geek out. Mm-hmm. This current season of Supernatural episode ten yeah. nihilism, and wow, I had to say this episode was really really good because mm-hmm. normally what they do. With the mid-season finale and the finale for this show, mm-hmm. they'll pose like this big looming problem okay. right at the mid-season or the finale. And then either the next, the first episode of next season or by the time they get back from the mid-season finale, instantly solved. Okay, so that's not really a cliffhanger. Yes, actually. but <laughs> this time... They didn't do that. So they decided to resolve the big problem? No, they didn't. They, they, they decided that they would move forward at least in the next episode towards resolving it instead of saying, it's resolved. Yes, the <laughs> way they had, like, here's the thing. It was a bittersweet resolution. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so one of the characters, they had to go inside their mind okay. to, okay. like, because um, as occasionally happens on Supernatural, someone gets possessed. And so they went into his mind to try and – because what you can do in certain cases is you can kick a possessing entity out of the vessel if you just alert the person who is either – they're not – most of the time they're not aware of it because of like, you know, they place them in like a dream state. Oh, run around in this uh, stupid maze. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like stuff like that. Yeah. So basically they do that and they – Find a way to imprison him in this person's mind. It's something they haven't really done before, but it's really interesting to see them do it. Okay. And with a character as powerful as the one that they're currently doing right now, the implications are like, oh my god, what what was going to happen next? Oh, okay. okay. So that supernatural's taken a really good turn so far. I hope they keep it up. Oh my god, please don't do anything wrong. Doing so good so far. It is one of the longest running shows on TV, though. Yeah, right so you, now, right? you, got, you got to have faith in what they do because they've been doing it for a long time, and a lot of people have really uh, gotten around to it. So, is this? I think they'll be good. Is this the fourteenth season? Fourteenth season. Fourteenth season. 14th yes, season. it's impressive. 
Hey, so that's what I've been geeking out over. Elias, what have you been geeking out over? So, recently, I've been watching a Netflix show, uh, Punisher. Oh, yes. It's season two. Season two. two. It's still brutal as ever. Uh, some jokes made throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Side characters. Oh, kills. my God. <laughs> There's this guy, Ringo. Ringo is his name. Oh, no. He was such yeah, a so- cool bouncer, man. Uh, he had I such... He's <laughs> like the fourth Beatle. Everybody forgets about him, too. I know. Uh, it's so sad because yeah, he yeah. had such limited screen time, but he was so cool. He gets it in the first episode, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, my God. It's like a, a wasted, <laughs> compelling character, unfortunately. Well, it's, not, it's not that. It's just the way they portrayed him. He 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 was like so likable. Guy. He was he, for, at least for me. He was really likable. Well, so that's why he had to die. The bouncer in the bar, of course. He had <laughs> to know. die. I don't know. I don't, don't want to spoil it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm assuming that some character that needs to be villainized kills him dead, just so we can see how horrible they are. I might be wrong. No, it's actually a bar fight. You might be wrong. Oh, okay. But is it random? We don't know yet. Do oh, we? No, Do we? it's not random. Exactly. Yeah. It's not random. Not exactly. random. They're, they're literally there for somebody. And that's how the Punisher gets involved. And that's how Ringo gets involved. See, there you go. Punisher walks out. Ringo doesn't. It's uh... adding to the villainy of some villain. <laughs> and wasted, talking about wasted characters, that just reminds me of a show uh, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, Dexter. That was on Showtime. Just before that, I uh-huh. think we do need to do a moment of silence for Ringo. For Ringo? Yes, please. Ringo, you will be missed. A moment of silence for Ringo. Ringo voice. <laughs> Ringo Ringo Star from the Beatles. You were good, Ringo. For the very five good. seconds you were there, you were good. So. I love that song about submarines that you do. Um, <laughs> he died with Yellow her. submarine. But no, the, the, the compelling side character that that reminds me of is from the show Dexter, which I really enjoyed. But there were a couple of off seasons. The season that he was in, he actually had some hope to save because it wasn't a very good season. The side character was actually played by the by the actor and rapper Most Death. He was like an ex-convict on this show who was trying to help other convicts, trying to give them jobs and all of that. His acting um, style is very subtle, right? He's yeah. Very low key. He's really good. He's yeah. really good. I've seen him in a couple movies. He was in a movie, uh, Be Kind Rewind, I think, with Jack Black back in the day, and that was mm-hmm. good. Um, he was, that was in, the one with the video store, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the Hiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was pretty good. Yep. Um, and like I said, he was in he was in this. Um, he's been in a couple other things, but he's got like a, he's, he's a really good actor and his character was really interesting and he was becoming like a, like something of a friend to Dexter who on the show doesn't really have many friends. I mean, he's a serial killer and he tries to hide his life from people. He doesn't want many friends. So this character was entering into his life and then fairly unceremoniously, a few episodes later, dead. It's kind of a shame that they wasted the character like that. He died with honor. He died with some honor, so at least we can give him that much. I don't know if most Steph died with honor, but uh, hey, yeah. it just happens, unfortunately. So, also in the new show, mm-hmm. I mean, in the new season, mm-hmm. the villain. Mm, it's, okay. it's very interesting, the season, because of the villain. Mm-hmm. He's like, I wouldn't, the, the thing that's most surprising about this villain mm-hmm. is the fact that he's not in any comic book. Oh, he's a new villain. He's a new villain. So if you search him, if you search him up on Google or Wikipedia, uh, yeah, he's not going to be there because he doesn't exist in the comic book universe. That's kind of cool that they create a new villain for this. He's like Harley Quinn in the 
Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of. Uh, but I believe he is based off of one character, very obscure. Um, I think Walt said it, or we discussed this earlier, mm-hmm. something like Mennonite or something like that? Yeah, so he, there is a character in the Punisher comic universe called the Mennonite. He's mm-hmm. Amish, and um, John Pilgrim kind of gives you that vibe. You know, he walks around with a, a hat and a long coat and stuff like that. Um, and he is a, a deeper, the character in the comic book universe, he's a deeply religious man. Um, he's got a, a wife that's that's dying, and there's a desperate need for him to make money to get a cure. Mm-hmm. And so he does this by using the tools that his Amish faith allows him to, but eventually he ends up uh, grabbing a gun and doing gunish things. I was going to say, what tools so, does the Amish faith allow you to use? Not and many. And like, yeah. like a butter churner? Like how you Listen, kill people? Maybe, maybe he's <laughs> running people over with the buggy and stuff. You maybe, know? what is it, uh, Kingpin, the movie where he becomes a bowler? <laughs> yes. Does he throw bowling balls at people? Is that how he talks? No, I don't, I don't want to make too much fun. Never, the, the Punisher's a good show. We'll see how this kind of turns out. Yeah, and, and I've heard some things about where the character is going, and I'm not going to spoil it, but um, it, it's an interesting take. And the more interesting thing is that they have put him, at least in the two episodes that we've seen, as the big bad of the show so far. Wow. Which is interesting because season one set up another character to be the big bad in season two. And while we do see him, right now the story is centered around this pilgrim character. Okay. So, okay. so it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I think it's pretty good so far, right? Yeah. Lies? Yeah. You know? We've it's, enjoyed it so far. It's rated nine out of ten Dragon Balls so far. There's ten Dragon Balls now. How did they add another three? Okay, yeah, that's seven. That's five. Yeah. What's up with that? Six out of seven. Six and a half. Yeah, six what? out of seven. It doesn't matter. There you go. It's pretty good so far. It hasn't been canceled yet. Season three. Not but, yet. Uh, we'll see. Although he did say he wouldn't be he wouldn't be mad if they did. So, which is interesting. Hmm. But. Hey, it is what it is. Maybe that's something behind the scenes we can discuss later on when it does eventually get canceled. Because he'll probably say something about yeah, it. Listen, within the next week, I, I fully expect Netflix to put out a press release saying, hey, guess what? No more Punisher for you guys. <laughs> the show is done, too. We're exactly. finished. Okay. So I've been geeking out on a couple of things myself. Um, mm-hmm. I've been watching this show on Netflix called You. Okay. Just oh, You. you? Just you. you. What are you talking about? And so... The show itself is interesting, but the backstory behind it is a little bit more interesting also. Okay. This was actually a Lifetime show. And I'm not exactly a Lifetime kind of guy, right? Oh, okay. But, so this thing debuted on Lifetime Mm -hmm. back in September. And it didn't do really well. Not a lot of people went to see it. Uh, Not a lot of people tuned in to see it. I'm sorry. Um, it only had like about a million viewers at that point for like the season, I guess. Right, exactly. That's nothing. Yeah, that's it's it's basically nothing. But Netflix, um, for whatever reason, it caught their attention, and they said, you know what, we're going to bring this onto our streaming service. We're going to call it a Netflix original, and it debuted in December, early December, December third, to be precise. Mm-hmm. And within the first four weeks, it's garnered. 40 million views, so it got the Netflix bump. Netflix is really reporting a lot of those numbers lately. It's kind of weird how they never used to do that. Now they're doing that with like Bird Box and all that stuff. Exactly. (laughs) So they they put it out there, and I think, like I said, 
um, part of it may be because now you have all these streaming services that are out there mm -hmm. and they're competing and stuff like that. So I think they want to be a little bit more transparent so then that way they can say, hey, guess what? We're still here. Everybody's watching our shows. Maybe you don't have to go to Disney Plus. I heard, I heard <laughs> the looming Comcast, Thanos of Comcast was looking live to do streaming. Their stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's a beast in the background getting ready to destroy. So hmm. this show is developed by Greg Belanti, mm -hmm. and anybody who knows anything about comic TV shows knows Greg Belanti's name because he is the showrunner and the overall overseer of the CW Arrowverse. <laughs> so he watches over Arrow. Flash, Black Lightning, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl. That's his his kind of thing right there. It's right? an interesting pedigree. You have a show that started on Lifetime with the guy who runs the Arrowverse with Penn Badgley, the guy who was on Gossip Girl. Like, and he also <laughs> produced Riverdale, which is oh, which okay. seems like it's a good time with the show. Isn't that like a dark version of Archie or something like yes, that? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. And this is a dark version. This the show is pretty dark. It gets to some weird places. Um, they do have a second season that's been renewed for mm -hmm. it. Um, the first season is set in New York. The second season is going to be set in L.A. This is a, a show that's based on a series of books. Mm -hmm. The first book named You. The second book named Hidden Bodies, which is what the second season is going to be about. That doesn't sound good. And, <laughs> um, yeah. And <laughs> so the premise of the show is that you have the title character, um, played by Penn Badgley, who is Joe Goldberg, and he is a bookstore manager slash owner and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And a girl walks into his bookstore, and he gets fixated on her. Anyway. The girl, um, Elizabeth Lau, you may recognize her from Once Upon a Time. She played one of the Frozen twin sisters. Oh, okay. Okay. And so he gets fixated on the girl, and what happens is he eventually begins to stalk her and start getting his hooks into her life. And eventually they develop a relationship. And in true stalkery fashion, he does whatever it takes to make sure that that relationship continues. He makes sure that um, anybody that poses a threat to him, mm -hmm. he does some nefarious things. I'm going to leave it for you guys to watch the show. Um, but it's a pretty, pretty interesting take on the what's a hero versus what's a villain. Um, and you're definitely getting some American psycho Patrick Bateman vibes off this guy. So, And he does a very good creepy character. The hero-villain thing is definitely where it sounds like where the Arrowverse stuff comes from. Yeah. It's a darker version of This Is Us. Oh, I don't, I don't even think it's even close to that. It's like super <laughs> uber dark, you know? So... So that's one of the things I've been I've been geeking on, and I'm gonna get a little bit more obscure here because I've been geeking on on two trailers for some independent films that are coming out. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is called A Violent Man, and the, I just happened to fall on this trailer, and I instantly recognized um, the main lead of the show of the movie rather, um, me being a Jets fan. New York Jets fan. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. I, we haven't seen a championship in 50 years. I'm sorry, too. Probably won't see another one for another 50, right? I'm a fan, too. But the lead is Thomas Jones, who was a former running back for the Jets organization. And he also played Comanche 
in the Luke Cage Marvel series. Oh, so wow. You guys would recognize him. No wonder. I saw the... It's funny because when we were looking at trailers earlier, I saw the 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 pic the like the the trailer picture for it, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I I can barely see his face, but he definitely looks familiar. All you gotta do is throw, yeah. throw some dreads on him, and then you got Comanche. So he's the lead of this this um, particular movie, mm-hmm. and the movie is set in the MMA world. And so the conceit of the movie is that um, he's an MMA fighter. He's struggling. He's trying to get attention, and it just so happens that an actual MMA fighter walks into his gym for a sparring session, session, that MMA fighter is Chuck Liddell of UFC fame. Interesting. Right? Now he, he's not he's not using his name, it's a fictionalized name in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening is that Thomas Jones character ends up tapping him out or submitting him. And so now he's got notoriety, now he's got some fame, uh, you know, people are interested in him. He, this is his opportunity to get um, his shot in the MMA world, yeah. right? Yeah, big. Now, this being a film noir genre, you know that when anything positive happens, something truly negative happens, and it's usually two times as worse. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you know, he gets interviewed by this woman, um, and they they have a one night stand, and then eventually, the next day, she's found dead. So the rest of the movie is him trying to clear his name. You don't know whether he did it or not. It's one of those type of movies. But I found it very interesting just off the trailer alone. Um, And it's interesting because the director of this movie really hasn't directed a lot of movies. He's mostly produced a lot of kitchen shows, specifically on Food Network. He has one directing credit to his name, and it was a movie done about five years ago. So... The trailer looks interesting. I can't speak to the movie, but it was one of the things that caught my eye. The second one that I saw is a movie starring a 90s icon who's a little bit older now. JCVD or Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, boy. (laughs) And the name of that movie is The Bouncer. Balancer. Oh, okay. I see that here. Okay. I didn't know he was really back into into the game as much as as he. Well, he's has still, been, he's still been working. He he was part of that excellent TV show on Amazon Prime, JCVD, um, where he's kind of parrying him, himself, and uh, it gets into very interesting places. <laughs> this one here, it's a more muted, more less actiony type of role for him. And I think, um, you know, maybe his advanced age has to do with him. He is 58 years old now, mm-hmm. so he probably can't do those splits that he's famous for as easy as he could do way back in the 90s yeah, and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But it's an, interesting, it's an interesting premise because he plays a bouncer, and in, that, in this movie, he's a bouncer, and he actually beats somebody to the point that the guy almost dies, and so he's arrested. And then the, the police then say, well, hey, listen, we've got a way to get you out of this, but you got to do some uh, work for us, basically. You got to infiltrate this place. Uh, it's a criminal organization. We need you to spy on them, get some, get some, get us some evidence and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the trailer shows that the way that he has to get into this organization is they take him down to a warehouse basement. There's a whole bunch of other guys over there, and basically they say, "Last man standing, and you're in." So. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> JCVD. JCVD. J. JCVD has been making a comeback <laughs> in one of these movies. And That's interesting. 
just just to sidetrack on this, I, I think we need to discuss his impact on pop culture because digging into the information about this movie, mm -hmm. I had to dig in a, a little bit into JCVD himself. And what's interesting is, is that before he had his big break, one of the roles that he was going to play, and I say roles in air quotes, is that he was going to be the guy in the suit in the Predator franchise. Now, that eventually went to somebody else. Yeah, I think I heard about that, actually. Yeah. And I don't know the specifics of it, but I, I may think that probably his height may have do something with that because the guy who ended up being in the suit, he's a pretty big guy, you know? Yeah, I don't know if my dad was that tall, right? He's probably right. He's like 5'9 or something like that. And the other thing that is interesting is that he was actually modeled to be the face of the franchise for the Mortal Kombat video game series. Yeah, Johnny Cage. Johnny, Johnny Cage. Meta and I were talking about that earlier when we were going to grab some coffee. That's right. Mm -hmm. So the, the creator, Ed Boon, right, who created Mortal Kombat, mm -hmm. he originally, I guess he saw Bloodsport, which was uh, JCVD's big break in movies. Yeah. And he's, he, I guess that was the brainchild for Mortal Kombat. He said, hey, let's make a game that's similar to Bloodsport. And he actually wanted Jean-Claude Van Damme to be in the game itself. Now, scheduling conflicts aside, he couldn't, he couldn't be in it. So they said, okay, well, if we can't have him, let's make a character based on him. And that's how Johnny Cage came about. And away we go. So, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, you wouldn't think he has that much impact on pop culture, aside from his 90s movies. But, you know, he's got a lot of things out there to his credit. And, you know, it's interesting because in the Mortal Kombat 11, you have what Ronda Rousey is being um, Sonya Blade. Blade now. And the other interesting thing is that in Mortal Kombat X, a lot of time has passed and now Johnny Cage is older. Like, let's say JCVD older. So maybe he could come back around as Johnny Cage you know, that'd be, that'd, be, that'd be really cool, in my opinion. They might as well at this point. If they're, like, casting real-life actors to become the Mortal Kombat characters, they might as well go back to the roots and just make JCVD Johnny Cage. This is yeah. the golden now, moment. Right. The question that becomes is, is the original creator still involved in Mortal Kombat? I think he is. You know, so if he, he is, is, then I don't see a reason why they can't bring him back. Who knows? Like Meta said, we're looking at older characters in the Mortal Kombat universe. He'd fit right in. Either and way, even even though he's fifty eight years old, um, he still looks like he can do a lot of stuff. Like I said, maybe not the splits that he was famous for in the nineties, yeah. but you I get think, the age of, yeah, absolutely, you get the age of absolutely. I mean, well, just it, it, if Ed Boon is not involved in Mortal Kombat, by the way, then he's awfully involved in the marketing because he does a gameplay breakdown on on IGN. He's on Twitter talking about it, so he's got to be involved. Well, that's his baby, so. so he could do it, I think. Yeah. I think we could see that maybe sometime in the near future. Let's see if it happens. So getting into genre news for the week, Meta, why don't you start us off with a quick little tidbit about some Godzilla. Yes, so the director, Michael Doherty of King of Monsters, discusses some monster redesigns mm -hmm. in an interview. And I found this interview to be an interesting read. Uh, I really like how he slightly tweaked Mothra because at least in the in the old movies, when she was in a fight, she had very limited physical attack capabilities. Her arms are like really, really close yeah. to like 
she she doesn't have a lot to work with. But in the legend verse, she has uh, bigger appendages, and it looks like, like they have right? yeah. yeah. And he said that he wanted it to be more, you know, as with the legend verse, things are getting a little more realistic now. Mm-hmm. So that also means more physical. I mean, there was some of the physical fights in the older movies, but this is like really, really physical in, like, in the legend verse. Like wild animals beating on each other. Yeah. So I really liked what he did with that one. Something I also want to see in this movie, and knowing how enthusiastic Michael Doherty is with Godzilla, I imagine it will be in the movie, is Mothra's classic scale dispersion attack. You know the how in the movies there'd be this golden glitter that she yeah. permeates? Mm-hmm. Basically what that can do is if there's like an energy projectile like beaming right at her, it, it'll it'll reflect it. So it's like a it's like okay. a shield. It's almost like it's refracting the, the exactly. Air Okay. So that's something that's really cool. And now we're going on to Rodan. Rodan, I I especially like this one also because um, in the old movies, and this kind of fits with what they're doing now, Rodan would generally be hibernating inside either a cave or even mountains. Mm -hmm. So I like how instead of it being a mountain this time, it is still a mountain, but it's a volcano. So... And given that it's a volcano that he's hibernating in, yeah. he um, he has a very a very molten look, and you know things of that nature. And I think that I think given that he's hibernating in a volcano and not just any old mountain, I think he's going to be a little bit stronger than we're used to him being. And I, I kind of want to see that. Now there is a stronger version of Rodan called Fire Rodan. Mm-hmm. It's basically where he gets imbued with like psychic energy or something, and he gains a few new abilities. Like uh, I think it's called the Uranium Heat Beam, and it's basically a uh, you know how Godzilla has his radioactive ray, yeah. he gets that. I don't expect to see something like that, but given that I think this is clearly setting up a stronger version of Rodan, mm-hmm. I'd like to see some new abilities. And given that again, he's hibernating in a volcano, I think his durability is going to go up too. Yeah, so. I would imagine. That a Godzilla blast might not do as much damage as it used to if you're a volcano dweller. Yeah. And then the last one. This one has me the most excited. King Ghidorah. We obviously have seen the trailers. He looks dope. And I don't say that often, guys. So mm-hmm. take it while you can. Not even... Even aside from his look, what, what Michael Doherty decided to do is something we actually haven't seen in the older movies. Each of the Ghidorah heads is now going to feature a separate personality. That's going to be weird. That's going to be awesome. Kind of crazy. Fight each other. No, you know know how I was liking it too. Remember the old uh, Sam Raimi Spider Mans with um, Doctor Octopus? Yeah, the arms having their own personality. The way Meta says it, that's how I envision it. Yeah, that's how it's going to be. Because the way he said in the interview, these two, the I guess the arm like. The ones that are on the outer the of Ghidorah, yeah. they're, he describes them as like the lackeys, the henchmen. They don't have the brain power. It's the middle one that's the alpha. Mm. Like, he's the one running the show. That's cool. That's so I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm really looking forward to that dynamic. So he has multiple personalities, basically. Yep. Ghidorah's a schizo. 
Yeah, yeah, a little basically. bit. Split. That kind Split, of, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's basically yeah. the character of Rogue. the beast. Um, well, yeah. Something of our next topic of conversation, which is James McAvoy talking a whole lot about the uniqueness of glass vis-a-vis X-Men, or in comparison to X-Men. Um, so if you, if you guys know in Glass and in Split, uh, James McAvoy plays a character that has many, many, many distinct personalities. It's actually one of the big reasons that people enjoyed those movies. Yeah, kind of uh, like Legion. Like, yeah. I think he has like 23 personalities in total. Right, exactly. Yeah. With I think the last one being the, the Beast character that right, has exactly. superpowers and all that stuff too. But um, just as a quick mention, there's a there's an interesting interview on timesnownews.com uh, where they talk to, or excuse me, that's uh, less of an interview. It's more of just a review of some stuff that that James McAvoy has stated in the past, and he's talking about how basically, and you and I will talk about this too. Um, in a sense, superhero movies are are and have to evolve even further because movies like Unbreakable kind of started off the superhero comic boom in a sense in a slightly different way. Sort of. Sort of started. Well, it's interesting you say that because when Unbreakable first came out, and and that's one of my favorite films, Mm -hmm. you know, because it was so different at the time, right? But when it came out, M. Night Shyamalan wanted to market it as a superhero uh, movie mm-hmm. and the studio didn't want to because remember at the time we still did we weren't into yeah. the golden age of superhero movies so they actually were afraid of marketing it as a superhero movie because they thought people wouldn't turn out to go see it right so right. Unbreakable came out in 2000 so that was like around the time of like spider-man and stuff like that where yeah. movies were you just good. you just had Blade and X Men come out maybe a couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. So, so that people was f- were just starting to get into the superhero that was genre. Just a couple of years before. When did Batman Begins come out? Now I'm curious because I think that was a couple of years before that. 2005. So this was just before the boom really began. Right. Exactly. Before. You know. But it it set up. Yeah. It's it's interesting that it's set up sort of uh, well what James McAvoy refers to. The deconstructionist superhero oh, movie, Unbreakable and Split, where it basically isn't exactly supposed to be a superhero movie, but it ends up being one in a sense. But because of the way it's grounded in reality, it to me and to Walt also, it it is a basis. I don't I don't know. I mean, how influential it is on some of the more realistic superhero movies of today. But I feel like if anything, if you're making a realistic superhero movie. You have to use Unbreakable as a template. Exactly. I think at the very least, one of your influences is Unbreakable. But I think I think what's going to end up happening is that you know Marvel Marvel has their formula already, and I don't think they're going to change it. They'll change it slightly because you know Ant Man was a heist film. You know you had Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy as a space opera. Mm Civil War and and Winter Soldier, especially Winter Soldier, that was more of a political spy Love thriller. That movie. He's You've one got of my favorites, Black so. Widow coming out that's a spy thriller. So mm-hmm. they they are slowly breaking out into different genres, but they have a formula. They're gonna they're gonna stick stick with that. DC, interestingly enough, is moving away from Marvel's formula. Mm-hmm. They're going more into the one off films. Because you've seen you've seen it with Wonder Woman, yeah. you saw it with Aquaman. You're gonna see it with Shazam. They're not being as tightly constructed into a, a singular universe, so to speak. It's working out in their favor. 
and it's working for them, you know, because Marvel, listen, Marvel seems to be like a once in a lifetime type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they they found the formula and it works for them. I think where you're going to see more of these type of things is the indie comics that are coming out on film. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know that uh, you're going to have different creators, like, for example, Liefeld. I think he has his own thing. Mark Millar, mm-hmm. they they just they just signed him to a, I forget what platform, but he's got his own universe that he's building. So I think that's where you're going to see those type of films you, follow Unbreakables type of, of thing. And you've got New Mutants that's, that's coming out this year. Unfortunately, it's probably a one and done for them. Yeah. But it's it's you're starting, and that's why I'm kind of sad that Fox is leaving as as a separate entity because they were willing to take those type of risks. You saw with Logan, you're seeing with, with New Mutants, but hopefully Deadpool. there are other studios that step up to the plate. You know, you have Bright that's coming out that seems to be something similar to this, where it's Bright. Wait, Bright. Isn't Bright. It? Bright is not the bright burn. Bright burn. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, bright was not the the Will yeah, Smith yeah, movie yeah. that everybody <laughs> loved and hated. Yeah, I, I digress <laughs> on that one. Bright burn, which is by James Gunn, and that looks like it's a deconstruction of the right, su- right, right. of mm-hmm. the Superman mythos, where instead of him being a hero, the guy ends up being a horror villain. You know, the, this all like you, you can even mention actually. Um, one of the other things that's interesting is how it, I don't think that there is any, any type of official confirmation that this is coming out, but. Um, Todd McFarlane with his new Spawn movie that he's trying to market. That is, I I think that's actually in production very close. You haven't heard about this? I have not. I haven't heard about this. Spawn is being almost completely changed for. He's like a boogeyman. He's going to be more like a horror, like Mm -hmm. like an ethereal, ghost like character. I don't know. I mean, he probably will still do some butt kicking too. I'm sure he's going to be a villain or a hero in that sense. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. But like he's gonna be more of a presence than like a physically imposing right. like Michael Jai White versus like you know John Leguizamo in a clown costume badass he's character. He's gonna be basically the boogeyman in his yeah. own movie. It's a totally different genre way of looking at this. Interesting. And just, just, just to kind of close out the thought on it, McAvoy kind of summarizes this and talking about his deconstructionist um, sort of vision of, of how superhero movies are. Mm-hmm. This is just the quote that he has here. Unbreakable and Split were both, in a way, deconstructionist superhero movies. Split didn't even feel like a superhero or supervillain movie at all. You, you didn't see it until the very end. Mm-hmm. It was it was just this creepy, scary movie that only really revealed itself at the end mm-hmm. as having anything to do with super people. That's exciting because I'm in superhero movies myself with X-Men. Maybe not for longer. Not for much longer. That was, <laughs> that's my quote. Uh, and back to McAvoy. And I love them. And this is the this is the key part here. But we can't just keep telling straight-up superhero movies, can we? We've got to start putting superheroes in different environments and situations, and this film certainly does that. You know, actually, as, as another aside, too, another star of Movie Glass, Samuel L. Jackson, talks in comicbookmovie.com on the success of the MCU and the failings of other superhero movies. I'll just go through the quote really quickly or through the article very quickly. Samuel L. Jackson has been part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe since day one when he appeared in Iron Man's after credit scene. At the moment, though, he's starring in a very different superhero movie, Glass, which is out in theaters now. During an interview with Digital Spy, the legendary actor explained that he doesn't think the perception of the genre has changed. Instead, he thinks that it took a while to come around and get to those other things. He says, there have always been things like that. Even when I was a kid, we had Buck Rogers, which influenced Star Wars. That's me saying that again. That's not Sam Jackson. Um, 
And some other things that were super in another kind of way, but not just that. He continues, most times the super things tended to be monster movies, even the Japanese versions of Godzilla and Rodan. All those things, I always look at those as superhero movies, or super movies, excuse me, also in another way. It was just a matter of time for the rest of the world to catch up. Jackson continues, I've been a comic book fan my whole life, so I knew there was an appetite for movies about the things that we read that had a space for those particular characters that we loved in these comic books to be realized in a real kind of way for us. So I'm not surprised by the success of them. I'm more surprised by the not success of some of the others. And that kind of ties in a little bit to what James McAvoy is saying about how the genre and that, can evolve. Samuel Jackson is somewhere in the middle of that conversation. And that last little part was a thing to the DC universe and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was definitely a thing to, yeah. to the struggles of the DC universe. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting what he said because he said we needed the rest of the world to catch up. And I find that interesting because I don't think it's not necessarily the audience, but the technology needed to catch up mm -hmm. also. Because you know what? If we were telling these type of stories, but we had the technology of the 80s and the 90s, it wouldn't be as compelling. <laughs> you look at a movie like Aquaman. Aquaman, part of the story was the fact that you can visualize Atlantis in such a real way. Yeah, you know? it's like Lord of the Freaking Rings or exactly. something like that. So I think, I think, you know, I think just like he said, the thirst for this type of stuff was always there. We just couldn't find a way to put a proper way of putting it on film to make the stuff compelling enough. I mean, I grew up with a Spider-Man where the way you made it look like he was walking up a wall was having the guy walk on on the floor, right? <laughs> it looked like the and wall. then flipping <laughs> flipping the camera over so it looks like he was going up. And you could do that creatively too. I think that's why they did a lot of stuff in Inception. Those fight scenes, from right? It was it was it was a flipping of the camera. But again, the technology was yeah. there because nowadays you just do that digitally. I was gonna say before I mean, <laughs> it was practical stuff, and you just had to literally take the camera and turn it ninety degrees. I mean, can you imagine? Well, actually, what if you look at behind the scenes of how they how they created Thanos? Infinity. Isn't there like a like a Thanos head over like yeah. Josh Brolin like a like a he's cardboard got, yeah, cutout he, and he looks ridiculous because he's got a suit with balls attached all over it. He's got this big pole on his attached to his back, and then maybe like about two or three feet above is where, like you said, the cardboard the, the cardboard of head of head. Thanos is, and that's how you did it. And then <laughs> what you did was you then you know filled it out digitally. But what would right? it look like if it wasn't for that? You'd have you'd have Josh Brolin. In purple makeup, <laughs> they wouldn't even hire Josh Brolin. They just it, hire some huge guy who and, couldn't act. Right, and you've you've seen kind of the purple makeup with Age of Apocalypse, mm -hmm. you know, and that didn't go over so well. Yeah, right? yeah, they should have given a little CGI on that. Now that you mention it, like, they could have done a little bit better with Apocalypse in that movie. I, I mean, I don't know. I I kind of liked Apocalypse. I think he was I think he was cool, but I think a little bit of CGI to make him bigger and more imposing would have been better. Okay, yeah. yes, I be, think he's supposed yeah. to be like yeah. nano size, man, like exactly. scary big. Right. And they did it, but they did it in like a sort of like a dream sequence. Oh no, they were battling in their mind. Where um, mm -hmm. no, Astral got huge, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, so they they kind of reference it, but they didn't go far enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, I think audiences nowadays they can handle the really comic booky stuff. You they're know? starting to. I yeah. mean, look at Spider Man, uh, the Spider Man Far From Home trailer that we'll discuss later. Oh, yeah. I got some thoughts on that. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's also interesting that Sam Jackson brought up Godzilla mm -hmm. in the in the superhero genre because. Mm -hmm. 
in the 2014 uh, legendary movie, mm-hmm. basically at the end of the movie, when everything's all said and done and Godzilla's annihilated the, the Mutos, mm-hmm. he, he gets up after having been seemingly defeated, as he always does. He gets the last remaining jolt of energy to get himself back into the ocean. As, as he's getting back into the, into the ocean, you see humanity is like, ah, praise Godzilla, our savior, the king of monsters. And it's, you know, it's this whole TV thing. And the entire city is completely destroyed. San Francisco is totaled. Oh, so it's Man of Steel. Okay, gotcha. Except no one exactly. hates him. Exactly, exactly. In That's Man true. Of Steel, everybody hates him. Everybody ends up hating him. In this movie, they're like, yay! You save us all, but we have nowhere to live. We have yeah. nowhere to live whatsoever. Oh, that's kind of a shame. But yeah, I get, I get what you're saying on that one. It is kind of in the superhero genre, but if superheroes just basically blew up the whole darn city every time that they ever did anything, basically. So, speaking of heroes, um, as many of you are no doubt aware, and I'm going to make you pretty aware because I'm a huge fan, Dragon Ball Super Broly came out this past week, January the 16th on Wednesday. It did some great business. It got some great reviews. As I said, mentioned or earlier, I should say, I, I saw it myself. I did a quick slice for it. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited to see it. Elias, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you feel about Dragon Ball Super and what's going on? You guys going to check it out soon? Yeah. Uh, we're going to see it today. Mm. Um, it seems pretty exciting because they're adding a new storyline. It's way different from when uh, they did it back in the... Uh, the original Broly. Yeah, the yeah. Legendary Super Saiyan. It was back mm-hmm. in the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah it was in the, the 90s, 90s. they created that one. Mm-hmm. So it seems pretty exciting. Uh, a few more characters, a few more new characters. Mm-hmm. And it's following the, the storyline of the show that you're watching, Dragon yeah. Ball Super, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's the first Dragon Ball Super movie, in fact. All yeah. the others were Dragon Ball Z movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems pretty awesome. From what I've seen, Broly is OP. Yeah, <laughs> even more so than the first movies, right? Yeah. By far. By, like, way by far. Like shooting uh, uh, beams from his mouth. It's mm-hmm. just weird. Multiple beams, and they just rain down from the sky, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a hugely overpowered character in this one. Yeah. And you know what? Apparently, you know, Dragon Ball did some hugely overpowered numbers in yeah. the first few days. I got some numbers here. So, um, it's Friday numbers. Now, this thing debuted in on Wednesday the 16th, mm-hmm. and it, it came out, and it was the number one movie of that particular day. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, it's in the middle of the week. But it did make seven million dollars on that on that thing, and that's in the limited run, not as many theaters as a wide release, right? So, the little movie that could this past Friday it placed fourth overall in the box office. That pulled in two point three million dollars, and it was only behind Glass, which made sixteen million. Mm-hmm. The Upside, which made four point one. And just narrowly missed taking third place from Aquaman, who um, netted two point five million. So so far, it's made twelve point eight million for an anime in limited release. That's awesome. That, that is wow. freaking awesome. You got to be impressed that's, by that's those kinds of numbers. And then you had there was there was an interview by um, the voice actor. Uh, who plays Goku? Oh, Sean Shemmel. Sean Shemmel. Yes, and he, he he goes like this. He said, basically, you know what? I'm not a hype guy. I'm not the guy that you know you want to talk to. I'm not the guy that you know I'm gonna you know tell you this is the best thing. I'm telling you this is the best thing. Yeah. He yeah, said yeah. you have resurrection, 
you have Battle of the Gods, you have Resurrection uh, F, oh, F. Mm -hmm. and then way, way up here is the Broly movie. Mm -hmm. We're going to go see it later. I'm personally excited because out of all the characters in the Dragon Ball Z universe, Broly is by far, hands down, my favorite. <laughs> he is the Darth Maul in my Dragon Ball universe. I am super, super excited to see it. And just hearing about these box office numbers, it just gives me so much joy that, you know, after all these years, Dragon Ball is really being, you know, embraced not only by the fans, but by pop culture in general. Thanksgiving, we had the, the Thanksgiving Day Parade balloon of Goku, which is unheard of. Dragon Ball. You've never heard of Super Saiyan like Blue, and they have the poster in Times Square, the Absolutely. billboard. I would never have expected that. I am super excited for this movie. I can't wait to see it later. Jose's seen it twice. I'm super jealous of him. I'm probably going to see it multiple times. And like him, my only regret is that I'm not going to be able to watch this in IMAX. Oh, no. That's the thing that kills. That's I just want to say something. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not awesome. It's Gucci. It's super Gucci. I think I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I hope you guys get a crowd like the one that I had on Thursday when I went to see it the first time because they were really into it. They were like they weren't being annoying, but they were talking and cheering at certain points in the movie, so that made it a little more fun. You know, this is the crowd that I saw with yesterday was a little less into it. Either way, it was still a good time, but you know, people were the best part of, of, of the, the show I saw on Thursday is every once in a while when something really like OP happened on screen. A bunch of people in the crowd would start going, charging up. <laughs> so that was fun. I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Oh, I'm I think excited. you guys are going to have a good time with it. We'll see what super, happens. Super, super excited. <laughs> so that kind of wraps up the super uber nerdy excitement that I have for Dragon Ball Super Dragon Boy. I'm, I'm going to get into it more. Like I said, I'm going to do the spoiler review sometime in the next week, so you guys should look forward to that as one of our quick slices. Wait. We'll talk about Easter eggs. We'll talk about other cool stuff in that as well. Um, but, you know, in, in other news, there's just a little bit of a mention um, of the Shazam costume. Yeah, it's just crazy, though, right? Uh, you know, they created, according to an article in Nerdist, they created 10 versions of the Shazam costume, and each of them cost a million dollars. How in... How in the world does this spandex suit with a couple of like gold accoutrements and like a shiny diamond or a shiny lightning bolt in the middle Listen, cost a million dollars? That suit better allow him to take it to go to the bathroom without taking it off for a million dollars. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying? For a million dollars, he better have the powers of Shazam in this exactly. suit. That's my opinion. You should and be able to ten, ten of them. Yeah. So there's probably like a battle damaged one. <laughs> Although, and uh, that's another sure, thing. I'm pretty sure some of that was made to flesh out his muscles. Even though he says that's all him, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he says, right? But mm -hmm. I don't believe it necessarily. But eh, that's skeptical, that skeptical about that. But hey, I mean, know. they said a lot of the costs of the suit are because of, of, of some lights in the thing. But I'm like, really? yeah, the the lightning bolts. It right? costs that much money for like a light bulb uh, or like what a few LEDs, like a television. Well. I think the money was also spent <laughs> so that he can do the floss dance that uh, Elias over here is just yeah. bugging out over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? it's he doesn't really do it correctly. <laughs> Maybe by a little, on, let, but let me make that just a little bit bigger so you can see all the moves uh, involved. Here. You guys can see yeah. this on Nerdist in the article. <laughs> I'm not even sure. 
I mean, I've never really even tried to do that dance, and I think I, you're I think right. I could probably do it do. better than, than he can. Oh, yeah, that I mean, super hard. I'm doing do. it in my chair right now, and I feel like I'm adjusting my belt because I ate too much. Yeah. I don't know if that's the proper way to do it. Well, Elias but, is the uh, king of floss dance. No, really. You no, know how to do it. No. Come on, you know how to do it, right? We might no. have to put you on Come Instagram, on. young man. We might have to put you on Insta doing the Show floss Shazam dance. Show Shazam how to do it properly, that's right? <laughs> Shazam didn't really do a good job according to this article we can see. I mean, what do you guys think of the costume? Do you think it's cool? Like, I think it's very... I think it's very faithful to the comics, and I like it. That's, what, that's one of the things I like about it. But like you guys said, I think, though, I want to believe that he said it is his muscles. I think that part of the million dollars is that little buff in the yeah. suit. Right. Like, come on. Right? Yeah. I think you and me were in agreement on a that. A little bit of padding. Yeah. A little bit of very natural looking padding. Yeah. Or pillows. And then maybe, I guess, if you really want to get into it, um, maybe the lights could be adding to that. It could. I, I, I can see it definitely. If if it's very like specific and if it looks that good, then I can see it being part of the reason. You know what? Like my last thought on that though is like, why did you put the lights in the suit when CGI can very easily add lights well, to I think, anything? I think I think a lot of it has practical to do with effects. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah make think, it practical. I think sometimes there's too much emphasis on CGI, right? And sometimes it's to the detriment of the movie. If you kind of can build stuff with practical effects and it looks good, then you kind of go with that and you enhance with CGI. Yeah, right? look at yeah. Star Wars. I wonder what the cost would be if they did it just in CGI versus what probably is going to be, like you said, a hybrid between the lights that are already in the suit mm -hmm. and maybe some CGI to add to it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Definitely. So on, on another note, I, I just want to say this. Aquaman, one billion dollars, yo! Yeah, man, amazing, well deserved, yes. amazing. Well yes. So I'm looking at an article from Screen Rant, and mm -hmm. all I can see is a picture of Aquaman in water with a bunch of money and and like <laughs> coins. He's drowning Just, in. He's coins. drowning in money. There's treasure in that there. Yeah. Aqua place. Hey, that's pretty good. Right? <laughs> the Atlantean. Yeah. You know? I like that. It's kind of a okay. billion dollars. Congratulations, James Wan, because you know what? He's done this before. He did it with the Faith, uh, Fast and the Furious franchise. Which one was that? That was uh. He's the one that started this renaissance of Fast and the Furious. Where they, where they, I think it was Fast and Furious four, either four or five. I don't yeah. remember which one. Because Fast Five was kind of the one that like really took it to the next. So I, it might have right. been that one, but dude. Two one billion dollar movies in your pocket. Mm -hmm. That's and, funny. And the revival of the DC universe at that. He's almost like not, he's like a well known director and not a well known director at the same right. time, kind of, because he's done a lot of other stuff too, right? Because he did a couple of horror movies, right? right? Well, horror is his thing, his you thing. know. But mm -hmm. but that's kind of the reason why he's not as well known as some yeah, other people. It because, makes sense. You know, horror is a genre that's very specific to a lot of people. I love horror. So that's why I know of him, but I don't think he's as well known as some of these other directors, like a James Gunn, because well now he is. Well now, <laughs> of course, right? Exactly. But I think the horror thing kind of held him back, unfortunately, to say that you know, because the horror movies that he's made, fantastic. He was part of Saw. He was part of The Conjuring. 
Um, I think he he was a part of the Insidious. If I'm, if I I'm, think you're right. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think you're right too. I think he may have been more in a production capacity. You can correct right. us if, you're, if we're wrong, Internet. But he's had his hand on those those projects there, and you know, this is really good to see his work being validated with a billion dollar movie, yo. Right, and he he went and released a statement. I'm just gonna read this very quickly. Firstly, massive love and thank you to the fans and audiences around the world. I'll forever be indebted to Jason Momoa for turning Aquaman into one of the coolest cinematic superheroes ever and becoming the gold standard for this character for generations to come. Um, but the big news that basically comes out of what we're talking about over here is that that Jason or James, Jason Wan, James Wan <laughs> worked with Zack Snyder to undo some of Joss Whedon's, uh, let's say, less interesting, less savory Justice League changes. So sad. James Wan. So sad. Thank you. I gotta say, look, no, no, no offense to Joss Whedon, but Justice League, that 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 was a wreck. Mm -hmm. And because yeah. I think one of the biggest problems that they had with that movie was you had the first few movies, and it's, it's like Walt said, he said it in uh past podcast. You have one theme, it's dark. It's gritty. This is a dark and gritty DC world, what we're used to. Mm -hmm. Then you go to the thematically different Justice League that has overtones of Avengers. Yeah. You, you can say that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it just a, doesn't work. Yeah, it was a Frankenstein of a movie. No. But no. Then, then you go to Aquaman. Sure, it has some of the Marvel aspects. Like It has some of that lighthearted, explosive light stuff. But it worked. He did it. And to hear that Zack Snyder had something to do with this too, I'm also, I'm just really happy that that was actually a thing. One of the main things that he he changed from just Justice League into Aquaman, mm -hmm. which was very very noticeable in Justice League when you had the moments um, down underwater with Mira and uh, Arthur Curry, the way they spoke, they spoke in, a, in like an air bubble. They, they had that little thing where it's an air bubble that surrounded them, and that's how they spoke. And that was retconned in the Aquaman movie because they didn't do that stuff. They were like, you know what? You're Atlanteans. You could probably talk underwater. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why would you so. even do that? So that's one of the things that he changed. Um, and I and I'm, I appreciate the fact that he kind of kept it in tone with what Zack Snyder wanted because, listen, as much as you want to say about the movies and 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 Justice League is a Frankenstein of a movie, and that's understandable because Snyder started it, we didn't finish it. They didn't have time to kind of, you know, weed out the stuff. It was just okay. Well, let's just do this, let's do that, the one, whatever. At least, but like I said before, and I said in other podcasts, at least Snyder had a vision, and so I, I it warms my heart that James Wan went back to the guy who cast all these amazing actors in these roles i mean think about it he's responsible zach snyder was responsible to get cavill as superman um say what you want about affleck as batman he was a pretty good bat batman right wonder woman gal gadot is is a revelation as wonder woman and remember when they first cast her everybody hated it yeah everybody right. hated the fact that it was gal gadot they said oh she was in Fast and the Furious. She's too skinny. She doesn't work. And now you look at it, you can't see Wonder Woman without seeing Gal Gadot. Mm -hmm. right? You hear that theme song in your head every time yep. she shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and so the same thing with Momoa. Mm -hmm. you, you could have had 
and especially with that character of Aquaman, that could have gone way, way bad. Hey, you could even say that they could have cast, um, what's his name? That was Ocean Master as Aquaman. Mm-hmm. That could have worked too if they were going to go with the traditional Aquaman, the blonde hair, blue but you know what? Snyder, ocean dweller. Snyder figured, you know what? Let's make let's make Aquaman a pro guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it worked perfectly. Yeah, he didn't make him too obnoxious of a pro guy. Exactly. And that's that's another one of the changes that that Snyder and Juan made over or or compared to the Joss Whedon version. Because Joss Whedon, okay, like he's a good writer. You have to give him that. He yeah, does do some I great do. dialogue. Like in a lot he was of movies. put in a possible position with that movie. He was, he you was. But I, so I have to say that. What's true, and a lot of people are of this opinion in some of the articles that I've read where they've discussed the changes that were made. Whedon, sometimes his humor can be a little sophomore. It can be a little kiddie. It can be a little bit mm-hmm. like a snickering fifth grader talking about. Talking about boobs, for lack of a better word. Because if you look at, at Justice League, like any time that Wonder Woman is on screen with Aquaman, he's basically just making a dirty joke or commenting on how just cute she is. Look at the fact that he was you sitting know. on the, the lasso of truth. Yeah. That whole <laughs> conversation part. right there. That right? was not that was just like an unnecessary joke. Exactly. Like, I was like, okay, ha ha how funny. You're talking about like how much how attracted you are to Wonder Woman, but like none of us went to see Wonder Woman because like Gal Gadot is hot. Like, yeah, she's attractive, but like we went to see it because it was a good movie. It was a good action movie. It didn't focus on like, oh man, she's a babe. And if you watch Aquaman and his interaction with Mira, there's there's very little of that kind of like teenage boy pining over a girl and like a skin tight outfit stuff that kind of happened in Justice League. It's a very it's a normal relationship. Like, yeah, they ended up you know, kind of kissing at the end of the movie, and there was an obvious attraction, but it wasn't a whole movie spent with like silly flirtatious jokes, which to me would have just fallen flat. And and they didn't make Mira, uh, you know, somebody that needed to be saved. Yeah, if anything, she saved him exactly. If anything, <laughs> she was the one that was driving the movie forward. Yeah, and Momoa's character was kind of like the dude that couldn't help himself. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. she's the one that thought of using his sweat. You know, to open up the thing where he was like, "Oh, I could have just pissed on it," you know, so, <laughs> which is an okay joke. I mean, yeah, I know, yeah. but but it just shows that she's an intelligent, strong female character that didn't necessarily need Aquaman. And and think about it is that why couldn't she be the the queen that leads Atlantis? She's strong enough to do it. Yeah, she's yeah. smart enough to do it. Exactly. I and, mean, uh, personally, I wasn't a huge fan of Amber Heard her Heard's performance. But she yeah, did. Okay. She did well enough, and again, like they didn't make her into this. She sold the character. Stress. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't have liked that, to be honest with you. She's a freaking Atlantean like queen, basically. She can probably kick some butt with the best of them. So I'm really glad that Aquaman did some great work with uh, how they changed the movie, and I'm really glad it makes some, made some money. So now we're heading into Trailer Park. Yeah. Got a lot of cobwebs, ectoplasm, and a lot of bullets. <laughs> yeah. Good trailers this week. What, yeah. what, what, what came out this week? What trailers did we have? Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes. Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And John Wick. John Wick. Trace. John okay. Wick 3. Can I, can I just mention something really quick? I'm sorry, but like, I get that Spider-Man Far From Home, that's awesome, but that's really like Infinity War. I mean, Avengers Endgame, that, that, that's it. <laughs> Nick Fury was dusted. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man was dusted. They're back. 
Endgame was resolved. <laughs> Why do we need to watch the movie? Uh, let's let's get into that when we get into the trailer. There's some alternate stuff. theories about that. that I oh, believe yeah. About, we have a bunch of stuff. We'll move on. Let's start that. with Ghostbusters first. Oh, yes. So I was surprised at that. Ghostbusters is the one. shortest of the three trailers mm -hmm. because it's literally... Just a teaser. Mm -hmm. All they show in this trailer, just to give everyone an idea, is basically they're zooming in on a like it looks like a barn or something like mm -hmm. that. In the barn, you see something rustling under like a plastic cover, and then the plastic cover lifts up to reveal Ecto One. Yeah, Ecto One, the yep. Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters car that they use to drive around the city, busting ghosts. The original one in the first movie. The original, That's original, right. the original stuff that you saw in the '80s movies and the video games and all that stuff from back in the day. So this is going to be directed by the son of the original director. Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman. Right. So I think this is Jason Reitman? Yes, if I'm not mistaken, right. that is correct. So, um, you know, he mentioned a couple of things. It looks like uh, we're going to be going back. Uh, there may be... There's still not a lot of information that we have on this because he said it personally in an interview. He wants to let this thing open up like a, a Christmas present slowly but surely right mm -hmm. so he gave us the trailer now there were some interesting things in the trailer um the trailer as as so it starts out from the outside of the barn mm -hmm. and you slowly slowly move in towards the interior of the barn right so one of the things that you see is that there is some music that calls back to the original movie mm -hmm. on the fence there's some ectoplasm Mm -hmm. it's, okay. hard to see. it's very hard to see but it's there if you look at it right as you're walking into the barn toward the side you see a couple of flashes of light which could be the um the the photon the blasters? photons the photon blasters that they use or oh, the, the proton pack. the proton packs yeah there you go. Go. Mm -hmm. and then you get into the actual thing so there's speculation that we may be going back and revisiting some of the older original characters, minus uh, Spengler, yeah, minus, who passed uh, away. Minus Harold Ramis, rest in peace. Yeah. One of the one of the original writers from the original Ghostbuster movies. Uh, great comedy writer, great actor. Yep. There's mm -hmm. some speculation that we may be revisiting um, the baby that was in the second movie, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sigourney Weaver's character. Mm -hmm. You know, Dana. Um, and it's interesting because you see the Ecto, the Ecto one car in a barn and it looks like it hasn't been used in a while. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you kind of wonder what's gone on through all these, these years with the Ghostbusters. So, um, you know, there's a lot of questions, but it does come up. The one question that we do know, uh, the answer that we do know is that it's coming out in 2020. Mm -hmm. So, and it is a direct sequel of Ghostbusters too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to put something out there. Mm -hmm. uh, if you watch the original movies for Ghostbusters, then you should know that whenever there's a storm, there's obviously ghosts. Mm -hmm. Not just ghosts. Not just ghosts. The big threat ghost or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. They're there's omens, man. They're omens. Those are the Ghostarian. Yeah. You know, and so, Vigo in the second one, right? Yeah. So something that's pretty obvious as, you, as it goes into the barn is that the weather, it's it's thundering. Mm -hmm. So this could mean this 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 could possibly mean the big threat ghost, like Walt said. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's like a teaser for maybe it maybe it'll be involved with some of the Ghostbusters old equipment. Maybe something will go awry and the ghost will pop out. One never knows. The only other thing, it's not confirmed, 
but there's a rumor that that this movie will maybe feature the original Ghostbusters and cameo appearances, but it's going to follow teenagers. So I don't know if they would be family or what their connection will be, but I mean, I've always liked the Ghostbusters movies, so I'm going to be pretty excited about this one just on the same token for sure. Yeah, and it, it looks like it's pretty clear that these guys are retired because they're not using the original car anymore. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Unless they've upgraded and who knows. They are done busting ghosts for this particular movie. But let's see. We have a couple of other trailers that came out this week. And one that I saw that I was pretty excited about, and I know a couple of other people are excited about here, is John Wick 3. What do you guys Parabellum. think about that? The Baba Yaga. <laughs> Parabellum, that's right. There's yeah. the subtitle to that one. What do you guys think of the trailer? What do you think of it so far from what you've seen? Take my money because I'm there. Yeah. I'm going to go watch the heck out of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm just excited to see like some of it take place with uh, all of the the other assassins in the Continental Hotel. It's been like a really kind of it's almost like a character in and of itself in the first John Wick movies, and the characters that like, occupy occupy that space are really cool. So I think it's going to be really exciting to see the action. Basically, looks on par with the first two films. Uh, I gotta say, I enjoyed. Though the one part that stood out to me in the trailer was is when they're riding motorcycles with freaking ninja swords, <laughs> slashing <laughs> each other. Yeah. I'm like, wow, he did so much gun food. Basically, and, and in the not first only two that, movies. there's the other part where he's on the horse, yeah, running after the guys in the on the motorcycle <laughs> and stuff. Well, this movie looks like it's going to be completely insane. It's going to be bonkers. Ian McShane's character, as always. Steals the the scenery whenever he's on screen. Oh, he's and great I, love the, I love the fact that he's you know they they go well now you know he's excommunicado and he's like oh this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the entire assassin community after John Wick, and it's almost as if he's like, well, you know what, you know these guys are in trouble, and he's not talking about John Wick. Yeah. He's talking about everybody else. Pretty much. And, so. I, I mean, I'm guessing this is going to be, this is a guess, but I don't know what you guys think. This is probably going to be something of a direct setup, maybe into the TV show that's coming out, The Continental, the name of the hotel, obviously, in the movie. Yep. I feel like this is going to set us up for that TV show. I mean, I, I, I don't know for sure, but you figure a storyline where John Wick takes on pretty much the entire Continental Hotel might be a good way to set up the future of that particular part of the franchise. I don't know. We'll see. What, what about what about you, Venom? What did you think of the trailer? What impressions did you have of it so far? Well, you enjoy John Wick? I'm not going to lie. John Wick hasn't always been up there in terms of anticipation. The trailer looks good. It looks pretty crazy. It looks like it'll be interesting. But I've never always been like, uh, I can't wait for it. And it looks cool. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. It's a fun movie. I yeah. know it's been enjoyable to watch the first two, so that's definitely something that. Yep. <laughs> so many memes. Hey, uh, the how do we beat Thanos? Accidentally have him kill his dog. <laughs> <laughs> that would be one way. That would be one and way. we got two dogs. There's two dogs in this movie. There's two dogs, and maybe that's the reason why in the earlier podcast I had thought that there was a new dog that he had. Yeah, but his old dog out, is in it. His old dog is in it. And Halle Berry's character has a dog, a German Shepherd. Well, that's right. Halle Berry is in this movie. Exactly. So at, sure at the very that. end, there's two dogs doing damage. Oh, boy. Well, you know what? The dogs are probably going to get some revenge in this movie. And maybe doing that. <laughs> oh, it's God. about time. I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. If dog it doesn't, I'd be very upset. <laughs> there it is. Basically. So now the last trailer. 
and probably the biggest trailer of the week is a trailer that should have come out a couple of weeks ago and uh, never did. And it's been building in anticipation to the point that um, within 24 hours, it garnered 130 million views, which is not on par with Endgame, right? Because Endgame had 289 million views within its first 20, 24 hours. But it had more views than its first movie, Spider-Man Homecoming. And, of course, I'm talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, my God. That was about two I minutes of Spider-Man greatness. Wait. I, oh, and an interesting <laughs> choice of music because you have um, Sedated mm -hmm. and the, 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 the clip of that song stops at the point where Ned is sedated by Nick Fury. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's yes. Go, go watch it and watch it again because it literally stops when he gets the dart into the, the side of his neck and gets knocked out. So okay. there are so many things to unpack from this trailer. There's a lot of little Easter eggs here. I think there's a lot of swerves in this trailer also. I think so too because... The way that they portray Mysterio, I, I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, we're on the rumor mill always here on Pop Culture with Pizza, and I've seen a couple of rumors that suggested that, maybe this is maybe this is even the case, who knows, but that Mysterio was going to use some of his magic magic powers, or he's more of an illusionist, mm -hmm. uh, his yeah. powers as an illusionist to pretend to be a hero. And I think, I think, That's I, what you, it looks like, you right? and I are in the same wavelength, because you have these three threats and it's not clear what they are because they can either be hydro man they could be molten man they could be sandman or they could be an entirely different group of of superheroes the elementals right. um i think it might be hydro man because i i saw somewhere i'm not sure where mm -hmm. um when ned on the on the trip in the trailer when ned gets his photo taken mm -hmm. on the boat mm -hmm. there's a book behind him that says as a SM212. That, that so ASM12 212. Mm -hmm. uh, Amazing Spider-Man. 212. Mm -hmm. Is that, that? Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. that's a comic book that came out. I'm not sure when. Back uh, then, let's back put it that way. And it it referred that the license plate mm -hmm. uh, referred to the first time that Hydro Man was. Uh, was in the comic books. There you go. Oh, so, so that's a little Easter egg, it looks like. Exactly. And like I said, this this trailer is packed for them. So it it appears just by what um, Elias said that we're not looking at elementals per se. We're looking at the this this triumvirate of Hydro Man, uh, Molten Man, and Sand Man. But I'm also of the of the of the theory that. These guys aren't really the threats of the movie. I think this is something that was concocted by Mysterio to make him the hero that he's trying out to be. And yeah. that's why I think there's a big swerve coming. Because yeah. uh, in in the comics, you know, he's he's not really a magic type of thing. And it's yeah, interesting, exactly. the rules that he's putting out, they're looking very similar like the ones that Doctor Strange uses. Right? Yeah, he does look kind of yeah. like a Doctor Strange character. And, and it's funny yeah, because... Just, no, no, they say he looks like, uh, like Iron Man and Thor. Exactly. 
And and it's true though because you look at his costume. There's a lot of elements of Thor there, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, the the magic concoctions or whatever you want to call it. They look very similar to Doctor Strange. These are characters that are known in the MCU. He would have had a basis to say, okay, well, I can do this, I can do that, and then you know, building these threats, you know, to make him out to be the hero. That it is. I think this whole this whole trail is a big swerve. Yeah, it might be a misdirection. It's kind of like uh, what the Incredibles. <laughs> he's like he's like uh, I don't know for what what the heck was his name in the Incredibles. The bad oh guy yes, the, the bad guy. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. The the bad guy who invented supervillains for him to beat in order to make oh, himself crap. a superhero. What is his name? This is gonna drive me nuts, and I'm I'm seeing it clearly because he wrote it out on on the landscape at one point in the movie. Oh man, Mister um, Incredible. Frozone, um, internet, help us out, please. <laughs> Syndrome. Yes, Syndrome. there you go. There you go. Buddy there Pine. Go. Buddy Pine was his was his his real name. Oh, his, his alter ego, Buddy Pine. But he's kind of like he, Mysterio. This movie kind of strikes me as like maybe like a Syndrome character. At least if exactly. our theories are correct. I mean, yep. I, I, I honestly I'd agree with you guys because it's like you guys said, Mysterio isn't like a. He's no sorcerer supreme. He's not even a, a regular run-of-the-mill magician. He, he's an illusion artist. So mm -hmm. I can definitely see him pulling off the these elemental things. Ah, they're invading. And then, ah, look, coming to save the day is Mysterio. Why in Europe is weird, though. But hey, I don't know. What, what, what do you think, Elias? What are your thoughts? I agree. Oh, oh and, yeah, go, go. And also, I, I forgot. Another Easter egg. Mm-hmm. When there's a in the trailer, uh, Peter Parker puts down his ID. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I noticed that good. one. Tell us about it. Peter Parker puts down his ID, and it his birthday is on uh, August 10th. So, yeah, which is the birth of the birth of spider-man basically yeah mm -hmm. that's one of that's the date of one of the first comics that he appeared in and not the other interesting thing about that passport right the id mm -hmm. it doesn't have a year no, attached it to it so you don't know whether where this this falls in the end game universe is it well they've already clearly said this is after yeah okay some some reports say immediately after some reports say quite a bit later but this is Supposed to be after Avengers Endgame, so you know the, the movie doesn't give us any clear indications of uh, of how far beyond this this is um, in terms of how or how much or how <laughs> I can't even get my thought out right now. Sorry, guys. How much after uh, Avengers Infinity War this occurs? That's not English. You know, you know what I guys mean. What I mean, you guys. Rewind. Stop. Pause. Okay. Let me let me let me get my thoughts back on here. But so we don't know what time frame this takes place in after Avengers: Infinity War. We need the time stone right now. Yeah, I need the time. <laughs> I need the time stone to kind of turn back all that gibberish that I just gave you a minute ago. Sorry about that, guys. Brain farts. But we don't know the time frame for this particular movie. Um, one of the random theories that I've heard is I read a theory where they stated that, and we don't know how they're going to resolve Avengers: Endgame, but so a lot of it has yeah. to do with time travel or alternate dimensions and things like that. One of the theories is. That when they redo everything that happened in Avengers: Infinity War, that Peter Parker never got off the bus at the beginning of Avengers: Infinity I did War. Hear that. That's one of the theories that they have. Basically, what happens is 
that part on the bus is him getting ready to go to his trip. Him getting ready to go to the trip he's going on in Far From Home. But in the events of Infinity War, he gets off the bus to stop Thanos. In the events of Far From Home, once they reboot the universe, so to speak, that thing never just gets, so It never happened, and he just gets off the bus and continues literally as if Infinity War never happened. That's one yeah. theory. That's actually that, not bad. That, that theory makes a lot of sense because, you know what? Um, the MCU is very tightly spun mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and that makes all the sense in the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, really does. So that theory, I, I'm going to put it all the way at the top of my theory list because that sounds like something that Marvel could actually pull off. Right, and know? they could explain why... You know, there's, there's, well, I mean, this is a trailer, of course, but like, what, what happened to Aunt May? How did she react when Spider-Man got snapped out of existence? Like, it doesn't seem like any of that fallout is in this trailer at all. And then, you know, Nick Fury pops up right away. I get the sense that's what they're going to do. And it's like I said um, in one of our earlier podcasts where I have a feeling that what they're going to do is soft reboot a little bit of the MCU roll some stuff back because it's going to get eventually, this is why they do it in comic books all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Because eventually balancing all those different story threads and storylines and making tough. sure they interact properly, making sure there are not no plot holes. It's about as exhausting as me trying to get out this whole sentence without taking a breath. You can't do it. Eventually you have to take a breath and you have to let the whole thing reset a little bit when it gets this complicated. So I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. But again, these are just theories, guys. These yeah. are just rumors. And then there's another thing out there that, you know, the internet is really focusing on is the fact that Tony Stark is nowhere to be found. In Tony, Stank. Tony Stank. <laughs> Tony Stank. Tony Stark. Tony Stank. Is there a package here for Tony Stank? Tony Stank. Stanley, we miss you, man. Yeah, we miss yeah. you. <laughs> but, um, you know, the internet's kind of going a little crazy because, you know, there is no mention of Tony Stark at all in this trailer mm-hmm. and there's one of and I, I can't remember because I didn't see it I have to watch the trailer again but supposedly there's a correspondence that's given to um, Happy Hogan mm-hmm. and um, it's signed by Pepper Potts Stark Which, Industries why so now you can look at it one of two ways right you can you can look at it as saying that you know what she is now the CEO she is running Stark Industries and stuff like that. So it, it kind of makes sense that maybe she would be co-signing off on all these correspondence. But the other theory is that, you know what? Something happens to Tony Stark in Endgame. And you have different suits now. You have you have the red and black suit, mm-hmm. right? And the next suit, which I'm excited about, is the stealth suit. Mm-hmm. But that one looks like Nick Fury gave him. That yeah. particular suit. There's no Iron Spider or no anything resembling it anywhere to be found. Exactly. So, is this something mm-hmm. that the internet has picked up on and kind of spoiled Endgame for us? We'll know when Endgame comes out in April. We'll see. Yep. Very, very soon. Um, to add on, when you said uh, Stark was nowhere to be found, you, I think you, you said this. You said this, but. Stark Stark is probably still floating around in space. Could be that. It could be it could be a number of other, of other things. Maybe Yeah. Maybe some something happens that he sacrifices himself and you don't really see the sacrifice because of the way that time is jumping around and he's no longer here. He like appears to die and all who, who knows? I mean, I don't know. What do you, what do you what do you think by that? You know, other than that. I think that Stark is still floating around in space. To it's be possible. honest. It's possible. Or maybe he just got 
he did the ultimate sacrifice to reboot the universe. Like I said, we won't find out until Endgame actually comes out. So, you know, um, it's fun to speculate, and that's why we have a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Because we see all these things, and we want to speculate the crap out of everything that comes out and stuff, you know? But it's it's just an interesting thing, and I, I felt like I had to mention it because it is pretty important. We have a good time with it. We try to have a good time with it. But speaking of Avengers Endgame, let's get into our main topic for the week. So for our main topic, like Jose here mentioned, we're going to be talking about Thanos and how he's possibly not better than Darkseid. That's me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, anyone want to start? The DC fanboy in Metatron. Okay. Yeah, coming out. Yeah, well, I thought, I mean, this is a topic that I thought of, um, I thought would be interesting to discuss, and I'm sure this topic has been discussed ad nauseum on the internet. I mean, we definitely found a few articles that relate to this and talk about this also, but my question that I'm posing to the podcast crew and to the podcast audience today is, is Thanos one of the most, well, instantly, did Thanos become one of the most iconic villains in pop culture of all time? I... I'll say this. I think he has mm -hmm. because l let me tell you something. It's okay. like I, I mentioned this in a podcast like maybe two podcasts ago. Mm -hmm. There was actually a reference to Infinity War in Supernatural. Really? Yeah. So like that, that's how I know it's certainly affecting pop culture. Mm -hmm. If it leached in there because sometimes they have their odd, odd references. I think they've done a Fortnite one at one point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They had an Infinity War reference with, uh, because we, because, because <laughs> one of the baddies, the the type of baddies that we're looking at this season, they're they're very well known for their snap oriented attacks. Mm, okay. So we had a very, and it's the same thing. They they had a shot. It panned all the way up to the hand, left hand, the exact <laughs> same one Thanos used, and boom. Did, did the screen go white? It didn't go white. It oh, kind of see they they missed a, a thing right there. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the implication, the <laughs> but the implication <laughs> was clearly there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if you even look, you talked about um, memes earlier. I, I forgot what character you mentioned affected a lot of memes. Um, but if you look at Infinity War, how many freaking memes are there about Thanos? Have have so. Just you we know, you, one. you just reminded me of, of the that. Josh Brolin one, right? You, oh, that is that not a great meme? Yeah, the yeah. ten year challenge. I should oh, I saw that. that. I should to my own personal Instagram. That was awesome. <laughs> That's on our Instagram, guys. You got to check it out. Josh Brolin completed the ten year challenge. Josh Brolin <laughs> <No>. asked Thanos. <laughs> And you know, you know whose whose body that is. Oh person. yeah, the first one is the rock. The, rock. the first yeah. one is the years rock. ago. They have a picture. When the rock had hair. You bring it down. It's a picture of the rock on the left with, with a hair, fanny pack, with a fanny pack, with a tight t-shirt, with like a like a Guido chain, and then to the right after the ten year challenge is the Thanos we all know and love. Oh, and I should mention, of course, it's the rock with Thanos's face on the left side. You know what? So that's our ten year challenge. With this meme, I'm just gonna say it right now, he's the greatest villain of all time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Basically, we're done, guys. Goodbye. Thanks for the podcast. <laughs> so, okay. So, for me personally, the reason why I brought this up is because, first of all, like, I mean, as is well known by all of you guys, I freaking loved Infinity War. And one of the things that I loved about it, I'm mentioning it again, I got to say it again. I think a lot of people have said the same thing when they're talking about how iconic Thanos has become. He's the main character of Infinity War, he's the bad guy. 
but he's still the main character. He's the one who, who pushes the story forward. He's the one who wins in the end. He's the one with the clearest motivations. Everybody else's motivation, of course, obviously, is we, we want to stop Thanos. But they're like but, side characters. Yeah, they're almost like side characters. It's like we just have to be the foil for this guy. They're almost, I, I wouldn't say to this extent. And but, he wins. Yeah, he wins. But like, if you think about it, all the other characters in this movie are like the bad villains in other Marvel movies. They have a motivation, but it's not as well thought out as the main character, which in this movie is Thanos. You find out so much about why he wants to do what he's doing. It's not just like, I'm evil and I want to snap half the universe out of existence. He has a lot of clear motivations. He has clear characters that he cares about. He has deep interactions with some of the other characters in this movie. And beyond that, the way that he was basically built up in a single film. That's hard to say with a lot of iconic villains. But, but you know, Not everyone. But they have been building toward him. They have been. Ever since Avengers, you had the sense that Thanos was around. But sitting know? in his chair he's, doing yeah. nothing. Exactly. Why, the, the big purple guy sitting in the chair, right? <laughs> but yeah, see, that, that's actually you know? kind of hits on my point. That's why I didn't really see those other movies. They were built up in a sense, but they were more like, yeah, this guy's coming. But the character itself was not built up at all by those movies. And the reason I say that is because, what, the first one, wasn't even Josh Brolin. It was some other random voice actor. His first appearance was not Josh Brolin. Yeah. Right? And in his first few appearances, he kind of was the cackling, like, I will destroy the universe. What did he say to the runner? I will bathe the starways in your blood. Like, Mm -hmm. that's such, like, cliche villain stuff. It still sounds kind of cool, I'm not going to lie, but that's not the character that they ended up creating with Thanos in this movie. None of the Josh Brolin nuance was really in any of the other movies before. He grabbed the glove and said, I'll do this myself. That's about it. A little bit. A little bit. But he yeah. was definitely not... They, they didn't give him any of the sympathetic stuff that they gave him. Oh, but movies. you yeah. know what? They, they didn't have enough time to flesh him out in those in those quick, true enough know, thing. It was it was basically either a cutscene here or maybe like you know a two-minute segment there and stuff like that. True they, it was just the presence of Thanos was being felt across these these movies. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and so he's the puppet master. Right, exactly. And then once you got to Infinity War, that's when you really, really were, were able to get into his character, get into his motivations. Mm-hmm. And I've always said the best villains are the ones that they believe they are right. Yeah. And they're doing things for the right reasons. But in their warped way of thinking, you know, even though it's right, it's terribly and sometimes horribly wrong. Yeah, you yeah, know? exactly, which is the so. case with Thanos in this movie. Mm-hmm. But another thing, like another point for me is, now obviously they have to do this with a lot of villains in movies, is that right off the bat, the way that they that they showed you just how imposing Thanos was. I mean, the first thing you see... Goes after Hulk. Not, not just that. Hulk goes after not, not just that. Like, Thor is on... Thor just beat, like... He just saved Ragnarok and was, like, able to, like... Not entirely beat, but he was able to hang with, like, one of the most powerful villains in Hela. And he gained all this power in Thor Ragnarok. He was able to smack the Hulk around. Like, he became so powerful. In fact, you see the payoff later in the movie. He's basically the strongest of the heroes now until mm-hmm. the Captain Marvel appears, right? The first thing you see is him, like, having been beaten practically to death already. You, they don't even show how badly he beat Thor. It's just like, hey, I got on this ship. Hey, Thor. Smash, 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 smash. And then you just see him basically holding Thor from the head like he's a little plaything. But do, do we do we know that it was Thanos that did that? We don't. Because remember, you, had, you had the Black Order there. 
as well. We don't, so, but you know, but do we really black, believe the Black Order can beat Thor? I don't would they have so. been Based able to handle it? Well, but later on in the movie, where they maybe, get handled by some of the smaller characters, maybe as a group, maybe and stuff. Maybe I, I think the 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 thing that really you know nailed it down as oh Thanos is really this badass was the fact that. He, he manhandled the Hulk. Which was going to be my next point. True. Right, and True, exactly. And you had Ebony Moore. Even he said it. He was like, oh, he was the the big guy. I forgot. It's Call Obsidian in the, in the yeah. comic books. I can't remember what his name is. In, he's uh, Call Obsidian. Is he Call Obsidian? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's a different name. In, yeah. Uh, no, it's that there's... a group in the comics. No, no, no. It's the Black Order, but normally where Call Obsidian is, there's another guy called Black right. Dwarf. Uh, yeah, but they yeah, substituted yeah, him for Call Obsidian. Right, exactly. Thank you, so Thank you I, I, Perfectly. I messed that one Perfectly up. Perfectly done. Mm -hmm. But he was about to get involved, and Ebony Moss stopped him, and he said, you know what? Let him have his fun. Yeah. You know? So that, that just informs you of how much of a powerful character Thanos is because you're going up again, again, you know, there's some theories of who really is the strongest Avengers of all, of all time, right? Mm -hmm. It's between Thor and the Hulk, right? Mm -hmm. So you, and you have both characters on the ship at the same time. Thor is already beaten down and then the yeah. Hulk comes out of nowhere and he's fully in his prime. And he gets a couple of shots in Thanos, and then Thanos says, okay, enough. I I'm going to end this real quick. And overpowers him. Overpowers him, out-techniques him, you know, and, and Hulk's brute strength couldn't handle him, you know. And I think that, if that they put that particular scene in there with that particular character in there to kind of shock, shock you into saying, hey, Thanos is no joke. Right, which is how they set it up in the Infinity War comic because he beat the heck out of the Silver Surfer. That was yep. the first guy that he beat up. We don't have Silver Surfer yet. And Silver Surfer, the power cosmic, right? Yeah, Silver Surfer is one of the most powerful heroes in the comics. Mm -hmm. So the Herald of Galactus. For Thanos to basically slap him aside like, like he's nothing. I mean, the Silver Surfer can travel across the entire universe in moments. Mm -hmm. He's super fast. So if, if Thanos can beat you like nothing in the comics, that was the setup there. But again, you have the Hulk... We all know what the Hulk can do in the movies, right? The Hulk is a huge, badass character who can beat just about everybody up. And Thanos just basically makes him look weak. But, I mean, getting into getting into the memes again for a second, just look at this, man. You got memes with, with Thanos as Guy Fieri, <laughs> Patrick Starr. Yes. You got, you got him as Salt Bay. He's the he's the what is it the 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 what's the meme the baby that the triumphant baby with the the triumphant face. yeah, oh, yeah there's yeah, a yeah. meme of him looking like that I, I remember this meme there's a Homer Simpson meme. <laughs> I remember this meme where it was like uh, uh different types of headaches Thank so you. it went from mm -hmm. migraines to something else and then <laughs> it finally went to I'm not feeling so well and then it showed like a the picture decimation of, yeah oh, this one Thor is feeding. Feeding Thanos peas Thanos to was get his featured, vitamins. Thanos was featured in an opening of The Simpsons, for God's sake. Oh, that's right. Recently, there's one with One Punch Man. Like he has Shrek. completely Shrek. Yeah, look at this. There's a Donald Trump one holding the Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> over here. There, there's one here. What is it? Where he's snapping away Steve from Blue's Clues, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. <Yeah>. Holy crap. <laughs> Like, he, he has entered the consciousness of, of pop culture without from Friday. Like Zeus, look, Zeus from Friday as Thanos is another one of the memes. So, like, if you look at it from that aspect, 
that's another reason to me why, like, when you compare him, and let's start naming some names, right? Because one yeah. of these articles, I'm just going to mention one of the articles that we took a look at to get a little bit more information. And look, they come right out and say, this is an article from whatculture.com, Avengers Infinity War, why Thanos is a better villain than Darth Vader, man. Uh, no, Darth no, Vader. No, I don't know if everybody's no, going to agree, and I don't expect uh, everyone to agree. Yeah. I mean, Matt, tell me what you think, because I see you kind of groaning over there, and I get it. I get it. But that's to me, that's just at least the fact that he's in that conversation. But yeah, so one thing I actually did before coming on today was I actually compiled a top ten list okay. of okay. my favorite villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something that because I originally had some guys that were going to come. I have some honorable mentions here. I'll just name them off really quickly. And maybe one or two of them I'll like say why I like them so much. Mm-hmm. For my honorable mentions, I have Kingpin from the Netflix series of Daredevil. Another great villain, yeah. For sure. Um, That's a good choice. I love him. The Predalien from AVP Requiem. I kind of mm-hmm. like that one because, you know, Alien's already crazy scary. Predator is... Uh, a relentless hunter. Put those two together. You got one scary. Was there, was there a fusion um, dance for that one? Two icons and two right? Yeah. Fusion. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, That's a very bad predator perk. <laughs> also up there is Voss from Far Cry 3. I really enjoyed him in the game. Interesting. Um, gaming villain. Well yeah. Done. Well and done. Uh, you're going to see a few supernatural ones in this one. Sorry. Yes. You got Lilith mm-hmm. from season four. Oh, the, I remember. Yeah. Like, you remember the end of season four, right? You yeah. definitely thought killing her was going to stop the apocalypse. But what ends up happening? She, her death is the final seal for the apocalypse. Oh, and the way she played it up, building up to that moment, it was really awesome. <laughs> kind of and then the last part of the honorable mentions was Destroyer from Godzilla. Mm-hmm. The reason why I have him there because I don't know if you know this, but in the Heisei series, mm-hmm. um Destroyer was actually supposed to be the end all villain. There wasn't even supposed to be a Millennium series. Really? Oh, so that was supposed to be the end of the Godzilla series as we know it? Yeah. Oh, and you look at Destroyer's origins too cuz in that movie it calls back to the yeah. Oxygen Destroyer in 1954's version. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And just the, the whole origin behind that monster, it was designed to be the last villain. And just, I, I touched on this in my Godzilla po- podcast, the maliciousness of that monster was over the top. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now I'm getting into my actually actual top 10 list. Okay. Curiosity. Number 10, the Ghidorahs. <laughs> it's always going to be the Ghidorahs, the, some of the most menacing group of monsters from the Godzilla movies. They're like a force of nature, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the angel Zachariah from mm-hmm. season five of Supernatural. Mm-hmm. He was one of those good mid-tier guys. Mm-hmm. The Prophet of Truth mm-hmm. from the Halo series. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, this Solid. one's a little lesser known. Uh, he's from the Mortal Instruments books. Uh, Jonathan Morgenstern. He's one of those over-the-top calculating guys. Okay. It's like a, it's sort of like Supernatural, but adapted as a book. Really, really awesome villain art for that guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Unicron from the 90s Transformers, Transformers movie. I have to agree with that He's one. at yeah. number Solid. six. Mm-hmm. That's number six. Darkseid at number five for Darkseid DC. At number 
five. And there's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason for this. And we actually talked about it a little bit earlier, Jose. Mm -hmm. Dark Side has some pretty interesting arcs in the DC universe. Yeah. And even in the newest DC movie, Death of Superman, he has a hand in that. I'm not going to spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it yet, but it's really awesome how they work Dark Side into that story. I was blown away okay. by how he was worked into I gotta that check story. That out. Mm -hmm. at num and the reason why he's at number five is because we haven't had a super solid interpretation of him in the movies like you have Thanos. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate too. Yeah. But even then, he still has the awesome animated movies. Mm -hmm. Which are really, really good. He's voiced by a lot of great voice actors in those animated yeah. movies too. Mm -hmm. Number four, Ultron. And I'm going on the MCU version for this one. Interesting. I know that it's not the most popular one, mm -hmm. but I like how it was a different take on the character because Ultron is supposed to be the emotionless, oh, I'm here to destroy you all. Very plain. Yeah, he's, thing. he's like a, he's like Skynet if Skynet were like a like a robot. You know, yeah, but in like one robot. But in but in Avengers in of it, in, of it, in Avengers Age of Ultron, in Avengers Age of Ultron, you see that, but it has a little more nuance to it because of how his origin comes from the Mind Stone. It allows him to be a little bit more organic, paired with the fact that he's kind of like a Jarvis 2.0. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a hybrid of personalities, kind of. Yeah, a little I, bit. I, I kind of like that. That especially how. Kind of his dark humor a little bit, like, get away! James and he likes zaps. Yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. At number three, I have Thanos, actually. See, so he gets to be up MCU. there somewhere. It's top three. Top three, I'm happy with that. And you guys already know why Thanos is up there. Let's let's just leave it at that. Yeah, we've already said quite a few things to that effect. Yeah. At number two, it's going to be season five Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes back to how Thanos is kind of portrayed, because... In season five, Lucifer was just this unstoppable force, like this monster. You can't stop him no matter what. And he kind of has a sympathetic arc to him. Oh, the reason why I fell, it's because I love God more than humans, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's a very, if you watch it, good. It's very good. And then at number one, Darth Vader. See, and that's where, that's where I kind of knew he would run into some trouble, because I know it's yeah. going to be hard for a bunch of Star Wars fans to agree that he's better than but I'm okay with that, honestly, because I'm not, I'm not pushing. I mean, I don't even think necessarily that Thanos is just indisputably the best villain ever. But I thought that it was important to mention him in the conversation because they have Avengers: Infinity War was such a super popular movie, yeah. and with the culmination again of it's been mentioned by us and by everyone else so many times to have a villain work so well after the culmination of all these somewhat random, not entirely random, but somewhat random movies coming together. And having his plot interwoven in all of those movies to get us all the way to this endgame, so to speak, where he basically does what he does in the comics. And, you know, for them to make the changes from, from the ones that they made in the comics to make the story interesting and different, him not being in love with Mr. Steph being the, the big one. And, I mean, again, like, a lot of what just what makes it so great is he's, he's – how do you humanize a big purple dude? I think if the fact that they were able to humanize a big purple alien with a freaky looking like grill chin. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the credit yeah. has to go to Josh Brolin. Of course. He, he did such a spectacular job. He did. In, in not only 
you know, physically embodying the character, but mm -hmm. also emotionally and, you know, with the eyes and stuff like that and, mm -hmm. and his things and stuff. The way he was um, able to interact with the other Yeah, he, and, and, you know, he, he, like I said, he brings a certain gravitas, especially to that character. That mm -hmm. character was very, you know, he wasn't over the top. In, in fact, he was the exact opposite, right? Yeah. Um, I liked your list, but there was a couple of people that I didn't hear <laughs> on there, which I, I kind of would want to put in there. Um, me being a Lion King fan, I had to yeah, put that, Scar in there. That had uh, another <laughs> one I overlooked. Me being Damn a Die it. Hard fan, I had to put in Hans Gruber in there. Mm -hmm, die me, Hard. Me being a Matrix fan, I had to put Agent Smith in oh, there. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. If Asa Balrog was here, which unfortunately he couldn't make this podcast, you know for a fact that he would put Sauron in there. <laughs> yeah. you know? And I'll, I'll even put Gollum in there also. You know? Um just because of the sheer amount of movies, the Harry Potter universe, you got to talk about Lord Voldemort, right? Mm -hmm. Even in the Marvel universe, you got Loki. You've got Magneto, who is a, such a compelling villain, right? Um, and I'm going to go a little weird on this. Inglorious Bastards, you got to put in Colonel oh, Landa. Oh, the, that saying? guy. <laughs> it's a me. <laughs> I love him. Just this is so exciting. Exactly. Okay. And and so he's but for me, you can't start and, and Vader is is I'm gonna put Thanos in my top three. There's a couple of right? that I gotta I gotta make sure we mention too. But I'm gonna put Palpatine in there? Yeah, but I, I was getting to that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I put Thanos in my top three. Mm -hmm. Vader is definitely on up there. You gotta put Palpatine. Nobody's mentioned the Joker. Yeah, the Joker is another the one. Joker, that I was say. And the Joker, iconic. You know, you've had different iterations. You've had you've had the earlier iteration of him uh, in the nineteen sixties movie uh, TV series, sure? yes. right? Mm -hmm. um, I forgot what his name is. You had Jack Nicholson's version, and you had what to me is the most iconic version of them all, the Heath Ledger version. You know, I I, I can't so. I Caesar love Romero. That. that was the Caesar season. Romero. Yeah. There you go. You know, mm -hmm. uh, with complete with the mustache underneath the the white. Yeah, you, the white, you don't uh, want to shave the mustache. Oh my! Oh, that. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I didn't even the know there was a mustache. Yeah, he had a thin little mustache, and he didn't want to take it off, so they just put the white makeup over it, and <laughs> away you go. Henry Cavill Justice League situation. I would say that that's a better situation than what they did for Justice League. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I would say so too. So, but you look at the Joker, and, and I've said this before, the Joker is such a an enigma as, in terms of, of villainy, and he doesn't have a purpose. He embraces the chaos, and Ledger, the way he portrayed it was just so, so awesome. That's why I love Thanos. I mm -hmm. think he is a fantastic villain, mm -hmm. and easily on my top three. And you know what? Maybe as time goes on, he probably climbs that list, but for me, I, I still... Look at Ledger's Joker, and I still look at Vader as as my top guys. Number yeah. one and number two. I think, you know, if anything, for my basic closing thoughts is that, you know, for me, the thing that makes Thanos so great as a character and why I put him up there so quickly is because you look at a Joker, he's appeared in media for decades now. Ever since the Caesar Romero, ever that since the sixties, or, or ever yeah, ever since the Batman of, from back in the days, you know, you look at most of the other other characters. They've appeared in various media, 
and and that's not that Thanos hasn't been in some Marvel cartoons. Obviously, he's a huge comic character. He's one of the yeah. most iconic villains of the Marvel Comics universe, not mm -hmm. the cinematic universe. They actually had a, a a series of him, and it was tailored more for the kids. But it was really? an animated series where Thanos was the bad guy. I forgot what the name of it, but you it was like Thanos Marvel Copter? Marvel superheroes. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? And he was he was a very cartoonish version. Of what we see here. Oh, I remember. I remember. They actually had a video game <laughs> on it, also. You know. Did? It, yeah. yeah, and it did uh, involve Lady Death. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, you know, he's been in it, but he's never been like this. And you know what? That's I what agree. It is one cinematic appearance. One, one that thing did, it. and that's why I, I will keep him and say, you know what? He may rise in my list eventually, mm -hmm. as I appreciate the character more, and as especially what we see out of Endgame. You know exactly that. That's really gonna do it. So we're gonna see what else they end up doing with the character. But for me, as yeah, he just—it's just how quickly he elevated himself to the top of a cinematic sort of pop culture, top of the line character again, like a Hannibal Lecter or a Joker or a Batman or a Scar. I or see that any of these other iconic villains. I think for me, like I said, to wrap up, just mainly it's how quickly Thanos went from being yes, yeah, so an iconic comic book character to an iconic Josh Brolin role and movie character. I think that's what, to me, makes him so freaking awesome. So that's our big discussion for the week. Is Thanos the most iconic or one of the most iconic villains ever? The consensus is he's, he's becoming one. He's definitely one of the villains that, that we're going to enjoy watching him get better and better, hopefully, over the next few years. Yeah, and, he's definitely up there. You know, really enter into the pop culture consciousness is one of the best villains ever. So we had a great discussion again. I really want to thank all the fans out there on the internet for giving us another listen, giving us hopefully another like, a subscribe, a comment, some feedback. Again, as usual, you guys should be checking us out on Twitter, checking us out on Instagram, at PCOP Podcast. we got a lot of great content there. We are on Facebook. Again, we're going to mention we are on Facebook. Not much going on there yet, guys. But we're posting. But we're going to add some more stuff. Slowly but surely in the future, we're turning this into a content circus. We got all the good stuff and all the good news for you guys. So check us out. As usual, you're checking us out on Anchor. Look us up on Apple Podcasts, and you can download us to whatever streaming service it is that you use. You can look us up on several other streaming services. Yeah, or just, just look us up on Google, man. You'll find us. For us. You'll Pop find Culture us. Over Pizza, PCOP Podcast. And we really want to thank you guys for joining us once again. From a fantastic week with my fantastic friends, I'm Jose. Elias. Metatron bidding the adieu. It's time to go see Burley. Yes. Yes. And like Ninja says, do it for the vine. There you go. And this is Walt saying, Kakarot! <laughs> We're off to see Broly. Stay geeky internet. Later, people. Peace.